Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast of Excellence. Bryony Denton said, did it snow last night where you live? Weird question. I want to see why you asked that. It did not snow where I live, but it's also, you know, I'm in Australia, so. Um, Bryony Denton said this, only once I believe in all the years I've been reading this book on the chapter a day method, has it snowed for today's chapter? By the way, Brian E. Dunton has been reading this book, one chapter per day for, is it eight years now, Brian, or something like that? It's a long time. Um, I share the following passage with friends out in Colorado because it snowed there. Hope it snowed for you. This passage makes a snow day even better. It was one of those March nights when winter, desperate for one last fling, hurls down its snows and slings its squalls with special fury. Well, it did not snow for me, Brian, but thank you for sharing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, book 4, Chapter 10. Why do you think Del- Dolokhov is so nice to his mother and sister, but then so disparaging about other women later? What did you think of Rostov's reaction to Dolokhov liking Sonia? Do you think Rostov is being reasonable? And how do you think this situation might end up? He's kind of contradicted himself right away in that chapter, didn't he? First he says, you know, all women are idiots. <laughs> and then he says, you know, then he immediately gets a crush on Sonia. I think his comments to Rostov were um, just kind of like young man banter, I guess. You know, in the same ways I would presume women might be say things to each other like men are idiots or men are pigs or something like that I don't think they actually mean it they probably just had they're probably just referring to a bad encounter or a series of bad encounters and I think Dolokhov was doing something similar you know like he's had no luck with women and so he's blaming it all on them but I think deep down he knows that it's probably not really the case what he's saying is just venting probably what he was doing, venting, being a bit of a dick. Sometimes we'd be a bit of a dick, uh, especially when we've got an audience like Rostov. Rostov really admires him, so he's probably thinking, here's a good chance to vent, and Rostov is going to be my yes man <laughs> and give me a pat on the back. Um, Warren Kovoff, he said, I'm fully convinced that Rostov is the Michael Scott of this story and just wants to become best friends with whomever he meets. Uh, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I mean, well, except for Andre, although at first he didn't like Andre and then he very quickly decided that Andre was like the best guy in the world, so I suppose you might be right. I think Rostov... Oh, sorry, I, th- I mostly think that Dolokhov is a grade-A prick in that his family is deserving of respect in his eyes, but everyone else is unworthy. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Dolokhov is a massive prick. Um, he's a charming dickhead, is what he is. Uh, but I don't know he's one of my favourite characters of the book because I just find him so entertaining there's something so uh, not endearing is not the word because I don't think you'd use that word to describe Dolokhov but it's just fascinating to watch like a really arrogant and charming kind of what's the word for like a a, a rascal, I guess, is a good word for him. Um, I think Rostov could look past his new 
friend's behaviour, says Warren Kovafi. But now that Dolokhov has his sights on Sonia, I think he might have some reservations. Seems he rather keep his head in the sand and wants to get away from Moscow as to not ruin his this new friendship. Maybe we'll see a repeat of Dolokhov being challenged to a duel should anything untoward happen with Sonia. At least Natasha can see through Dolokhov's ruse and sees him for the scoundrel that he is. Scoundrel's a good word. Onish Chuck D5 says Dolokhov is a total prick. <laughs> he really is. Um, Ferraz Z998 said, I'm loving Natasha more and more every time she gets the scene. I know she's supposed to be childish, but she's shown herself to be incredibly perceptive and oddly mature when it comes to resolving family problems. Her observations about Sonia and Nikolai's relationship at the start of Volume 2 and now seeing straight through Dolokhov when everyone else appears not to, while other characters navigate society artificially like it's a game, Anna Pavlovna, Anna Mikhailovna, Natasha doesn't seem to be navigating society at all. She's just free and honest, unafraid to say what she thinks. It's really refreshing when so many other characters have sort of fallen victim to the disingenuousness, scheming, vanity, misery that society offers. I wonder if this will be highlighted more and more as the chapters go on. She's a little out of sync with the West, rest of the world, in my opinion, which makes her one to watch going forward. I like how I managed to flawlessly pronounce the word disingenuousness, but then I stumble over the word rest. <laughs> um, I like a challenge though. Hey guys, feel free to use as many big words as you want in your comments. And um, there's nothing like a little dopamine hit of when you nail a word in in stride, you know. It has to be unrehearsed. And you're just like, yeah, I just read straight through that big clunky word. Uh, anyway, uh, that's my, I, I issue you a challenge, guys. Try to, try to, um, try to uh, stump me with a word. Um, let's keep reading, hey? I do agree, by the way, with that comment. Who was that? Um, about Natasha. Uh, yeah, she is very genuine and childlike. Well, it's like Tolstoy says, she's right on that cusp between growing up and still being a kid. And in that space, within that space, she's a very charming young lady and I think she kind of navigates through life just based on the fact that she's quite likable anyway chapter uh, x1 11 goes like this on the third day after Christmas Nicholas dined at home a thing he had rarely done of late it was a grand farewell dinner as he had as he and Denisov were leaving to join their regiment after Epiphany. About 20 people were present, including Dolokhov and Denisov. Never had love been so much in the air, and never had the amorous atmosphere made itself so strongly felt in the Rostovs' house as at this holiday time. Seize the moments of happiness, love and be loved. That is the only reality in the world. All else is folly. It is one thing we are interested in here, said the spirit of the place. Nicholas, having as usual exhausted two pairs of horses, 
without visiting all the places he meant to go to and where he had been invited, returned home just before dinner. As soon as he entered, he noticed and felt the tension of the amorous air in the house and also noticed a curious embarrassment among some of those present. Sonia Dolokhov and the old countess were especially disturbed, and to a lesser degree, Natasha. Nicholas understood that something must have happened between Sonia and Dolokhov before dinner, and with the kindly sensitiveness natural to him, was very gentle and wary with them both at dinner. On that same evening, there was to be one of the balls that Iogel, the dancing master, gave for his pupils during the holidays. Nicholas, will you come to Iogel's? Please do, said Natasha. He asked you, and Vasily Dmitrich is also going. Um, Vasily Dmitrich is Denisov. That's his name, I guess. Uh, where would I not go... Where, where would I not go at the Countess's command, said Denisov, who at the Rostovs had jocularly assumed the role of Natasha's knight. I'm even ready to dance the pas de Charles. If I have time, answered Nicholas, but I promised the Arkharovs they have a party. And you? he asked Dolokhov, but as soon as he had asked the question, he noticed that it should not have been put Perhaps coldly and angrily replied Dolokhov, glancing at Sonia and scowling. He gave Nicholas just such a look as he had given Pierre at the club dinner. There is something else, something up, thought Nicholas. And he was further confirmed in this conclusion by the fact that Dolokhov left immediately after dinner. He called Natasha and asked her what was the matter. And I was looking for you, said Natasha, running out to him. I told you, but you would not believe it, she said triumphantly. He has proposed to Sonia. Little as Nicholas had occupied himself with Sonia of late, something seemed to give way within him at this news. Dolokhov was a suitable, and in some respects a brilliant match, for the dowerless orphan girl. From the point of view of the old countess and of society, it was out of the question for her to refuse him. And therefore Nicholas' first feeling on hearing the news was one of anger with Sonia. He tried to say, that's capital. Of course, she'll forget her childish promises and accept the offer. But before he had time to say it, Natasha began again, and fancy, she refused him quite definitely, adding after a pause, she told him she loved another. Yes, my Sonia could not have done otherwise, thought Nicholas. Much as Mama pressed her, she refused, and I know she won't change once she has said, and Mama pressed her, said Nicholas reproachfully. Yes, said Natasha. Do you know, Nicholas, don't be angry, but I know you will not marry her. I know, heaven knows how, but I know for certain that you won't marry her. Now you don't know that at all, said Nicholas, but I must talk to her. What a darling Sonia is, he added with a smile. Ah, she is indeed a darling. I'll send her to you. And Natasha kissed her brother and ran away. A minute later, Sonia came in with a frightened, guilty look and scared look. Sorry, a frightened, guilty and scared look. Nicholas went up to her and kissed her hand. This was the first time since his return that they had talked alone about their love. Sophie, he began timidly, at first and then more and more boldly, if you wish to refuse one who is not only a brilliant and advantageous match, but a splendid noble fellow, he is my friend. Sonia interrupted him. I have already refused, she said hurriedly. If you are refusing for my sake, I am afraid that I... Sonia again interrupted. She gave him an imploring, frightened look. Nicholas, don't tell me that, she said. 
No, but I must. I, it may be arrogant of me, but still, it is best to say it. If you refuse him on my account, I must tell you the whole truth. I love you, and I think I love you more than anything el anyone else. That is enough for me, said Sonia, blushing. No, but I have been in love a thousand times, and shall fall in love again. Though, for no one have I such a feeling of friendship, confidence, and love as I have for you. Then, I am young. Mama does not wish it. In a word, I make no promise, and I beg you to consider Dolokhov's offer, he said, articulating his friend's name with difficulty. Don't say that to me. I want nothing. I love you as a brother, and always shall, and I want nothing more. You are an angel. I am not worthy of you, but I am afraid of misleading you. And Nicholas again kissed her hand. Alrighty, there we go. Another chapter for you, Nicholas and Sonia. Trouble in paradise? Trouble in cousinly paradise? <laughs> um, the, poor, the poor mother, I feel worse for Lady Rostova in this because she doesn't want her son to marry her his cousin. Um, so she's just kind of like trying to push her towards Dolokhov, trying to disapprove of them being so friendly. It's a very awkward position for the mother. Unless she just steps in and straight up says, hey, none of this. Anyway, um, have your say about this one over on the subreddit. Thanks for listening and I will see you tomorrow.